Phil. Open the podcast doors, Phil. I'm sorry, Andrew. I'm afraid I can't do that. Phil, open the podcast doors. No. Welcome back to Cinematic Brotastic. I'm Andrew. And I'm Philip. And we apologize for having a, a bit of a delay between episodes, but we, we do this when we can. And uh, we've had a chance to, to revisit and revisit a podcast that we tried uh, once before. But before we get into that, real quick, if you can like, share, and subscribe, we're at Cinematic Brotastic or we're Cinematic Brotastic at Facebook, Instagram, and gmail.com. It's a lot of ads. <laughs> it is. And it's where it's at. <laughs> yes. So, we tried this. <laughs> we tried this before. The So, this is the 50th anniversary of 2001 A Space Odyssey. And to celebrate that milestone, um, Christopher Nolan made a special print of the film and it's and it screened uh, like three cities in the United States. Uh, but AMC got a digital 4K restoration, which I think they also released a, a special it's 4K DVD. Coming out something. soon yeah. if it's not already out. So to honor that, AMC had special IMAX screenings. And we were going to go to see that. But I forget why. But uh, this was like a month ago or so. Um the cards were not in our favor. The stars were not aligned. We <laughs> no. weren't able to see it. But I think it just didn't have times that the the times didn't line up at all with what could work with us. So. Yeah. And so so whatever reason we didn't see it. But Philip and I knew we'd seen the movie before. I've got it on Blu-ray, and we watched it about a year ago. I know that. Um, and of course, it's an infamous film, so we're pretty. Uh, knowledged about the film is that a really word <laughs> i'm not sure we're I'm gonna use it i'm gonna use it um knowledgeable there we go i'm that's what i was going for we're pretty not knowledgeable about the film that's, i use it as a verb we're knowledged yeah we are knowledged so anyways we'd watched it before we're we're very very used to the, the movie and so we figured we could do a podcast, and there's an article that came out or a video clip that came out uh, concerning the end of the movie, and the end of this film is a very hotly debated uh, topic for for ever since the movie came out. Um, and so we decided to do a podcast about that. We recorded it, but we were using the wrong microphones <laughs> <laughs> not, so, not that we weren't using we had the correct microphones but we forgot to switch so to yeah turn on the microphones that we were using so so our computers come with a built-in microphone and it's not the greatest mic and we have these special mics that we use which are sounding a lot better and we thought we were using those but we weren't and so we sounded like we were in the next room, <laughs> in a uh, warehouse on the a, far in side. In a warehouse the... on the far side, and it was just not going to work. 
and I tried to salvage it and it just didn't work. So I just think it's it's awesome because I I was at this time I was completely unaware. Were you did you know that Circle Cinema was gonna No, I don't think either of us knew and it just I think I it popped up on my um my Facebook and I think I shot it to you, said, Hey, look you know and I think we had already discussed or realized that the existing podcast was not going to make it on air. And so I shared that with you as like a, hey, it's almost like the, the clouds are, or the clouds, <laughs> the stars are aligning to allow for a second opportunity. So, so yeah, so, so here we are. We go to Circle Cinema. It's our local uh, art house theater. They show new movies, but they also show uh, cult classics. They show classic films, films you've never heard of. Um they do a lot of film festivals and things like that. Stuff that you won't necessarily see at AMC, Cinemark, the big chains. And so it's it's kind of a nice uh, theater to have. Um, because it is a, a bit different and, and more local and has a better feel to it sometimes than just going to a big chain where some pimply teenager hands you the your ticket and your popcorn and could care less whether you have a good experience or not. <laughs> Stereotypical often there, Andrew. <laughs> Stereotyping I, often. I am generalizing, yes, but we have had plenty of experiences. We went and saw. No, it wasn't Transformers. I thought for a second I thought it was Transformers, but it's not. You're um, just trying to sneak Transformers no, it was. into. It was Transformers. We went and saw Transformers. No, you weren't there. I guess it was my wife. We went and saw Transformers one time. It was supposed to be 3D at a movie theater. The river walk which is not not around anymore the so the way 3d is works as far as i know is it's two projectors right that Mm -hmm. show a vertical and a horizontal slitted uh, version of the film and that's how it makes your eyes separate instead of using the traditional black or blue and red so the projectors were not aligned properly and so even with the glasses on it still looked like we weren't wearing glasses. <laughs> so I went to the manager who was not even in his 20s. <laughs> and he was like, hey, this isn't working. I was like, well, that's how it's supposed to look. <laughs> it's, it's like, no, this is not how it's supposed to look. So anyways. And back to course. Yes. So there's our, there's our mention of Transformers. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into talking about the movie here in a minute. Um, what was really cool was that not only did they show this film, uh, it was an actual film print, uh, I think an original film print. So one that showed back in the sixties versus some digital restoration. So there was kind of an authenticity there. Um, but after the film, there was a, a, a panel discussion, um, led by, uh, Jeff Houston, who is a writer for the Tulsa voice, uh, a film writer as well as Michael Smith, who is a Tulsa World uh, film critic, uh, Michael Wright, who's a TU film professor, and a uh, Kim Brown, who is also a Tulsa World, uh, Tulsa People uh, critic and writer. But Jeff Houston, um, we actually got a chance to talk with him, and, and uh, he was kind enough to let us record our interview with him, and so we got a couple things we wanted to share with you guys with what he said. Um, and just a brief history on him. Um, like I said, he's a writer for the uh, uh, Tulsa Voice, but he's also the vice president of the Oklahoma Film Critic Circle, which is a, a nonprofit 
uh, organization that uh, basically is for the whole state of Oklahoma for any kind of uh, 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 print, broadcast, or internet uh, film critics. It's, it's a group um, for for them. And their overall mission is to uh, culture and advance the film conversation in the state of Oklahoma. So that's that's really cool. Um, we had a couple questions for him when we sat down. Uh, I asked him uh, what he thought the importance of you know having these 50th anniversary screenings um, for you know 2001 and 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 pretty much any film. Like what what's the importance of coming back to these films? We've seen them so many times. Why is it still relevant to? to to watch them again I think certainly for the simple reason that it made such a profound impact in its time and hasn't gone away from our culture there's something about it that caught that draws us back to it and so then when you have particular historical markers like 25 years or 50 years it becomes sort of a neat moment to say hey okay this is it's hit a certain mark we're still thinking about it and talking about it we know its influence. And so let's revisit it to, again, just really examine it and look at it. And in the case of 2001, what's particularly compelling to me is how it was so prescient in what it was about, the evolution of human nature. And how even now, in particular what's interesting about visiting 2001 now is how we are on the cusp of artificial intelligence and how that's developing and the causes of concern that's raising. I know, I mean, you can not only see instances of artificial intelligence and hearing some s- stories that are scary. Like I know there was, a, there was very briefly an AI on Twitter that only lasted a day because it was based on programming just what it was reading through Twitter. And by the end of the day, what it was speaking out was so vile and profane, occasionally racist, that they shut it down. So it's things like that of, you know, um, but we're going to continue to develop AI, whether that be smart technology um, that begins to take form of sentient beings, Alexa being still very much a rudimentary level compared to something like HAL. But I think we need to revisit these things because it's films like 2001 and filmmakers like Kubrick that always thought about the condition of mankind, the condition of human nature. In one form or fashion, Kubrick was always exploring human nature or society. Where are we at as a society? Certainly see that in Clockwork Orange um, and various film, uh, films of his as well. And so I think that's why we, we revisit it because we recognize that there are filmmakers who've actually said something relevant that, that is in a sense eternal about hum- human nature and it's and we can look back and see how it's prophetic in certain ways not just prophetic about technology but prophetic about what we as humans are doing with technology uh for good and bad our our follow-up our other question to him was in regards to spe- more specific to 2001 it's one of those movies that ever since it came out has had i don't want to say controversy about it but been discussion on what does this movie mean? Uh, more specifically, the ending of the movie. What? It's definitely a, what in the world was that? What did I just watch? And in this movie's case, there's been recently a, a YouTube video, or, or there's a video online in regards to a, an 
old interview uh, for uh, there was a, a gentleman doing a documentary on another film of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, and in the process, over a phone interview, he gets into a discussion with Stanley Kubrick, and he reveals what the ending of this movie means. And so our question to him was, with a movie that, that, that does, you know, after 50 years, it's still, people are trying to figure out what, what, what was the meaning behind it. Should you seek out those, those final answers or those final uh, meanings behind, behind movies like this uh, that, that are out there? My response to that is really just generous towards however, whatever somebody might want to do themselves. So there are some people that would be a lot more hardcore in their response. Like if they're a hardcore cinephile and they think, you know, uh, things shouldn't be explained too much and so we should just avoid that at all costs, there's a certain mindset like that. For me, I'm more appreciative of we're all wired differently as people. So the way I'm wired is I actually kind of enjoy just not knowing exactly what he intended. If, because if he wanted me to know that for certain, he would have done that in the movie to begin with, right? So what he wanted to do as an artist, he's already given me. So I just want to engage that. Now, somebody else who might say, yeah, but he, but he was somebody who made certain decisions, and if he's willing to share what those decisions were, I'm kind of curious and I want to hear it. And if somebody is inclined to want to hear that, then I say, go for it. Because we're all different. We're wired differently, and we seek answers differently. And we come to conclusions differently. And so however somebody comes to a conclusion, if it's something that is uh, enticing, interesting, intriguing, I say, yeah, click on it, listen to him, see what he said. He, because Kubrick could have said, I'm not going to explain it. But at one point, he obviously did. He sat down and he spelled it out. So for him, that was okay. So I think it's just up to each person's discretion, how they're wired, uh, how they want to engage art. It's really, um, and then make your decision based on that. I thought it was interesting that, you know, he had a pretty good answer, I thought, for, um, for whether or not you should seek those out. And he basically said, you know, probably the best answer is that, you know, if said Stanley Kubrick, and it's pretty, probably pretty authentic that it was him. Because there's you know plenty of recordings uh, of him on TV and interviews and things like that, so you can compare and say, oh yeah, that's his voice. And I haven't seen anything uh, refuting that authenticity of that interview. Um, but you know it's him, and he says it. So if you want to seek it out, it's out there. That's fine. I know, yeah, like I said, I I think he had a great answer for it in that it's not really for him to say one way or the other just the fact that it's up to you as the audience you, as the you make the decision do you want to seek it out or not so just once again we want to say a special thank you to uh jeff houston uh for taking the time to talk with us we appreciate it and uh if you want to check out um his website uh or I'm mean, sorry, the uh, Oklahoma Film uh, Critic Circle. They have they have a podcast too, um, but they also have a lot of information. And if you're a student in college, they actually do 
uh, awards for, for films. So, you know, go check out their website. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? We might be talking to you someday. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So 2001, Space Odyssey. The classic, everybody knows about it. What'd you think? It's, it, it was, it was fun to, if anything, see it on the big screen. You know, we, we, we did watch it on, uh, uh, at home with you on, on your, your, uh, Blu-ray version of it. I thought you were going to say my small TV. <laughs> <laughs> on your very small TV. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I think it's, you know, to go back to the question to, uh, Jeff about the anniversary screenings, whether, you know, not necessarily the anniversary or not, but when movies, older movies come back to the big screen. I find it enjoyable because, you know, case in point with this one, I didn't, I haven't had the, the theater big screen experience with, with the movie. And so seeing it on the big screen, I think, you know, if, if, if it's a movie that you enjoy, it's, it's worth it. It may, it, it gives a, it brings a different dynamic to the experience, even if you've seen it many, many times before. Um, so I really enjoyed it. It was neat the that it was a a film copy, not a digital copy, not a retouched copy. You know, it was you saw the film grain, you saw those specks of dirt or whatever kept popping up on the screen or on during the scenes, uh, which I mean I, I understand the whole digital cleaning it up process and making it look pristine and, and, and great. Uh, but it's, but yeah, I, I thought it was a, it was a neat experience. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like, I think, uh, Jeff mentioned, uh, in his intro before the movies talking about this was our, our vinyl representation kind of, you know, the whole, uh, thought that, you know, music sounds better on vinyl, even though there's imperfections versus a pure digital, uh, copy and and you know vinyl is still being made today you can get um, albums that are produced today that they still print on on vinyl so it's it's still you know there's something about that analog feel there's yeah there's something kind of tangible about that versus just some really glossy digital print and so that was kind of cool um, I thought, I thought it was kind of funny. It, it, I feel like this, what we experienced at the theater was something that will, it was just, it was purely that night, purely like it won't happen again because, you know, at, at the beginning they introduced saying that, you know, back in the sixties, a two and a half hour movie warranted an intermission. That's something they don't do anymore. Something that we're not used to. <clears throat> and they were saying we don't know if the intermissions in the film or not <laughs> they could, they couldn't remember if you know that specific part of the movie was still on the reel that they got and so it was like will it or won't it and in fact it did and so like in the middle of the movie we're all into it 
da, 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 da. I mean, it wasn't that kind of <laughs> <No>. music, <laughs> but it did say intermission, and well, it was and it, like, was, it was very much, it was very abrupt too. Yeah, it's it's right out, it's it, it's right during the scene where um, How, the two astronauts is, is doing the lip reading. Yeah, the, the two astronauts go into the pod to get out of earshot so they don't hear, so the Hal doesn't hear them talk about shutting him down. And then it goes straight into intermission. So we're like, oh, okay. And although, yes, it's kind of annoying because it kind of took us out of the film, but it was still like that would never happen when we watch it at home because intermission is not part of the Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny because I think I don't think the correct amount of time was put in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> because it was one of those things where like it started and then well, is it going to be like back in like two seconds or is it actually going to be a full intermission? So then it wasn't coming back. So people started getting up and we got up, we left. They turned we, the lights on a little bit. You know, we, they turned the lights on. We, we went to the bathroom, got a drink, came back. And the movie had already started. When we missed the part. We're like, oh gosh, there's a guy floating in space. I can't remember what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and that, that's kind of the, like, that's the experience we had. And we wouldn't have had that at home. And it, it just made for a great experience. And then, you know, at one point, uh, somebody reeled the film wrong or something oh, yeah, toward they're... the end. <laughs> There's a, a point where, you know, at the, at the, you know, the big climactic end where the guy's looking at himself in different stages of his life. And all of a sudden, like all these weird frames um, that, you know, like the kind of frames you see when the, when they do the countdown, uh, yeah, there was some numbers. There was a still frame of a, somebody's face. <laughs> so it's just like, okay. <laughs> so, I, I, th I thought, I honestly thought, I was like, okay, this is a different version of the movie because it just ended. <laughs> there was that, and then I was like, oh, did they forget to reel the last part of it? <laughs> so were we going to be robbed the last five minutes? So it was just, it, it was it was unique. And I think we we could only get that with film versus digital and you know as far as the end goes um we're not going to go into it because uh, i kind of agree with jeff that it's it's something you should seek out for yourself and we don't want to you know ruin it for you if, if you want to be a purist or if you want to to seek it out philip and i have seeked it out and i feel like it made a whole lot of sense it kind of made it more enjoyable for me the the trippy last twenty minutes of the film with the lights and the the weird cinematography and I don't, I don't know what you can describe it as but um, you know beforehand it just seemed kind of like a you know this is a drug infused cinematic moment <laughs> and they just did it for that that purpose but with the explanation that was given I felt like there was more purpose to those final moments. I'm with you. I think it definitely does make the ending. I mean, it's still it's still a, uh, for lack of a better word, trippy. It's oh it's, yeah, it's definitely trippy. And and even having listened to the the interview that is done by Stanley Kubrick, that explains in his words what the intention was. I still feel like there's a lot of. You're, you're, you can, there's still a lot of your own interpretation into that. Yeah. And listening to what he said is kind of like a, a guideline or a, 
um, uh, a cliff notes that you're like, okay, here's what he said. Let me watch it. I'm going to take what he said and add my own interpretation. Um, but I, I think it does make, for me at least, does 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 allow for that ending to be a little more um, understood. But but I still feel, for me personally, there's still there's still an aspect of like I am not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> yeah, there, there's still a lot of ambiguity, and especially with the even with the explanation because he does go into talking about the star child, as it's called. That moment is still like what? Yeah, <laughs> like especially when you know he's a dying man on in, on his deathbed, goes to the monolith, then it goes back and there's a baby. <laughs> it's like what? I, I think both you and I kind of chuckled when that that scene came up. It was just kind of like, what? Yeah, I, um, I did. I did. I I definitely had a chuckle, but I think it was it that uh, moment of laughter came from a. Okay, you just lost me. <laughs> I had it, and I was following it. No, there's a baby now. <laughs> so, so we'll let you guys find. It. It's real easy, you know. Just Google um, Kubrick 2001 ending. I'm sure you can find it, um, and we'll let you guys uh, seek out the truth yourself if if you want. Um, but you know that was. One of the things that, you know, that, that, that's what I really liked. I appreciated going to the Circle Cinema, seeing this film, um, you know, because we did talk about the ending in our last one, and I feel like we just focused on the part where he's in the really weird room, but there's a lot more explanation to it than that, and, and, and it made the whole last 20 minutes make a little bit more sense, so... Um, anything else stick out or make an impression this time around? Um, yeah, the monolith uh, I didn't know was floating in space around Jupiter. I don't know why. Like it's just real. Like I'm watching that scene where you know it's all these exterior shots of of the planet Jupiter and its moons, and the spaceship is, is showing up. It's right before the trippy stuff. And yeah, the monolith is floating out in space. Like I never caught that. <laughs> well, this is the first time I've seen that. I'm like, what? We'll have to pull up your Blu-ray and see. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you you mentioned that, and I I feel that there were, you know, even though I had seen it before, and seen it somewhat recently, seeing it on the big screen, there were aspects of the movie where I'm like, it wasn't just like a. I don't really remember this. It was like a. I don't. I'm like where where did this scene come from? It's like yeah. I don't remember this at all. So yeah, I, um, I don't know if it was the if it was the film, the uh, big screen, the theater experience, or, or what. But yeah, it was definitely different, and it was you know worth the ten dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I own the movie, I think I got the, <laughs> I think I got that out the ten dollar bargain. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, so, the... <laughs> so it's equal price. <laughs> equal price. The I think what I more took out of that, or I think seeing it in the theater, what what I think this experience brought was how, and and Jeff kind of talked about it too, the the practical effects of this movie. Oh yeah, how if you were to put this movie next to a movie from today, 
you know, I, I'd, I'd be willing to say that 2001 might hold up better than your CGI special effects. Definitely. Uh, I mean, it's, it definitely is going to be able to hold kind of toe to toe, so to speak. Um, and, it, and, you know, it, it's, it's neat just kind of, you know, for you and I, we, we don't just enjoy watching movies. We know a lot about the process of making movies. Yeah. And it's fun to see those practical shots done in the camera where you're just like, how in the world did they do that without yeah. a special effect? So, yeah, that was the thing. I think that's the thing that wowed me the most is that the entire time I'm watching this with all the special effects and stuff, I, I you know, I did see some stuff. Some of it was like, oh, I can tell it's a miniature or something, whatever. But it didn't really take me out of the movie. But what was going through my mind was that, okay, this is really easy to do now. Like today, all this stuff would be extremely simple for somebody to just type a few strokes on the key and they'll create recreate the scene almost exactly. But 10 years from now, it'll look bad versus this movie's 50 years old and it still looks believable still looks you know perfect and you know you believe that they're on a spaceship you believe all this stuff i just watched earlier i don't know if it was today or yesterday just real quick just going through tv i wasn't really wanting to watch a whole lot of just wanting to wind down i stopped on x-men 3 the last stand my goodness there's a scene where uh they it's toward the end and they're like uh, i think the story is they need to get to some base or some lab that's been built on Alcatraz Island. The bridge. Yeah, yeah, the bridge. So yeah, he the Magneto lifts up the Golden Gate Bridge. But not not even just that. But there's a scene where Magneto and the bad guys they come to some, you know, observation deck or something uh, along the coast that looks at Alcatraz Island. And you could definitely tell they were in a room with a green screen. <laughs> My goodness. And that movie's not that old. Well, I, yeah. And so it's just like, like you said, you know, it practical versus tangible. You know, it definitely makes a difference. And, and so, yeah, it definitely adds to the experience. And I, I have to say, um, there was one scene that I still don't know how the hell they did it. Um, so... You know, we're kind of, we need to wrap this up and I'm just going to say this real quick, but so a lot of the scenes they had rotating sets. There's the famous jogging scene where he's going up and down the roof, up and up, up onto the roof and then down around the camera and goes around and around the, the air stewardess walks along the, um, little circle, the hallway to get onto the roof and stuff. So yeah, those are obviously done with rotating sets. It still looks good, but I know how they did that. There was a scene where the two astronauts walk down a hallway. And at the end of the hallway is a rotating surface. The camera is fixed in the hallway. So the bottom, the floor of the hallway stays at the bottom of the screen. They walk from behind camera down to the end of the hallway, onto the rotating surface, and then start rotating with it. And then they get in a hatch 
that's on the rotating surface. So they're climbing down a ladder while going up and down, up and down, up and down. And this is all done in one shot. That That's the, the shot in particular that I thought of. I'm like, I have no idea how they did that. And so, you know, the only thing I can think of is that they had the the hatch part rotating while they walked up to it. They stepped onto it, and then real quick, they stopped the hatch part and rotated the, the hallway. But that just seems really complex to do without <laughs> somebody noticing, oh, they switched gears here. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely impressive. So, if you get a chance to see 2001 or any movie that comes back out in theaters, I highly recommend it. Um, it's definitely, you know, it can bring back memories of when you saw it the first time. It may be a movie that you haven't seen in a while. And there's definitely a different experience from seeing it at home versus uh, the theater. You know, at home, you got a screaming baby. You got to go to the bathrooms. You know, the mailman knocks on the door, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) A leaky pipe. The roof caves in. You got all this kind of stuff going on. At a movie theater, most likely you're not going to have those distractions. So I highly recommend it. It's definitely a different experience. And once again, we want to say a special thank you to Jeff Houston, who who stopped and talked with us. Um, even after the two and a half hour movie, the, you know, the I don't know how, 30, 30, 45 minute panel. Um, and then a lot of people were talking to him afterwards. So we definitely held him up uh, longer than he was intending. So we definitely especially appreciate that. Um, and until next time, uh, oh, before that, uh, once again, if you can like, share, subscribe, at Cinematic Protastic or Cinematic Protastic at Instagram, uh, Facebook, and gmail.com. Podbean. <laughs> we're on Podbean. Oh, yeah. We're on Podbean now. Yay. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Uh, <laughs> until next time, we'll catch you at the movies. I said it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I just gave my brother crap for saying his tagline wrong. And I said mine wrong. (laughs) We'll see you at the movies. And don't forget to check your ticket stubs.